The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Welcome to the Saint Happy Hour Podcast host Ralph Malbro and featuring bloggers Andrew Juge of SaintsNation.com, Kevin Held of The Team Drops the Ball, and Dave Cariello of Canal Street Chronicles. This podcast is nothing but serious football talk and hardcore analysis. Which four of you would survive the longest in the zombie apocalypse, and in which order would you die? Well, Ralph, no offense, you're going first. Oh, <laughs> the zombies would smell Dave's sugar blood. And target him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even have a joke, Dave. Dave smells like nougat. Now here's your host, Ralph Malbrose. All right, welcome to another edition of Saints Happy Hour Podcast. As always, we are sponsored by JLD Hot Sauces and Knives. Guys, it's the holidays. But they have the best hot sauce. Their award-winning hot sauce, Boot Jolica, comes in hot, extra hot, my personal favorite, and Thai flavors. They also have Reaper Madness Special Reserve made with Reaper Pepper from Carolina. And for the Brave, you can get the Death Shot. It has the extract of 10 Reaper chilies in each one-ounce bottle. JLD also has the highest quality handmade knives you'll find anywhere. Get them. It's a great Christmas gift for your family or your friends or your relatives who complain about knives that they have that are crappy for hunting, fishing, or cooking. Get them a, get them a goddamn good knife. JLD has it. Go to JLDSharpSauce.com. Use the code SAINTS. Get 10% off your order today. That's JLDSharpSauce.com. Uh, Andrew, I actually have to say real quick that uh, I just got a package <laughs> from him in the mail, um, and I, I know he's a regular listener, so uh, he is. Th- thanks for the goodies, and um, you know, I happily paid for it because uh, you know it's I, I, I enjoy the hot sauce; it's awesome, so I'm really enjoying it. Yeah, and here here's the thing uh, with the hot he he's awesome, and and look, we haven't had a lot of uh, sponsors on this podcast and I get a lot of offers to, to have sponsors. I turn them down just because they're not that great or they don't fit into what we want to do. Um, but he does. And seriously, people, he supports us. So you should support him. All right, Andrew, uh, the saints fucking annihilated the Eagles, but I want you to tell the people what you tweeted out after you read Peter King's article, uh, about he got to spend Saturday night with the Saints before the Eagles game as they like went over the game plan one last time. I want you to tell the people what you tweeted out because it was fucking amazing. Uh, which part again? That you're, was you're the part about my memory. The Sean Payton giving zero fucks. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, it w- it was just that you know first of all, you know his recognition with or for like what what the weaknesses was. And, you know, with, with uh, the Eagles, you know, it was 22, Sidney Jones. And there he was basically saying, like, his hamstring in, is injured. I don't think he's ready to, to come back and play. Uh, so we're going to test him in the run game. You know, we're going to go right at him. And he starts talking about that. And pretty much right away, first play of the game, they go right at him on a running play. Ingram runs through an arm tackle. Boom, he goes for 35 yards. So Peter King kind of already threw out there, like, you know, the genius of Sean Payton was very much on display on the first play. But um, the the thing, yeah, about uh, no fucks given was just that Sean Payton was like tinkering with his offense. He's like, hey, Joe Lombardi, hey, is it crazy if, if I just go six wide receivers and no quarterback? And then I have Drew on and one side. And what did side Joe Lombardi and, say to him? And Hill, and Hill on the other side, and, and we'll just run him in motion, and one of the guys will go behind the center. And... Uh, uh, Joe Lombardi says, "Yeah, we can do whatever we want." And so, <laughs> and so, Pey- Peyton throws throws the play in in practice, like on Friday or Saturday in their walkthrough, and then they run it. So basically, he just like invented a formation in a play out of thin air, 
and and then just decided to run it twice during the game. <laughs> Joe Lombardi just casually drops in. We can do whatever the fuck we want. Yeah, John. I mean, Sean Payton is like the mad scientist. He's like, like the lab geek, like tinkering in the lab. And he's just you like, know, I mean, he, he'll just do whatever. Dude. I, I seriously think at this point that Sean Payton, it, he is walking on water. Like he is on such a level right now that I just feel like he is just doing crazy shit for fun just to see if it works. And it's working. Yeah, here's a, I thought it was a great comparison of Sean Payton. He's like a computer coder, and if you've ever met like people that are computer geeks and code, they just code and code and code because they enjoy it and it's fun. And I think Sean Payton is like that with offense in the fact of he just likes to draw up shit where a lot of coaches would be like, hey, this is my system. I run my system. It works. Don't tell me what to fucking do. Sean Payton is like... Oh, Texas Tech is running a cool play. Oh, Bill Belichick is running cool shit. Sean McVay is running cool stuff. We're going to steal that and do it because yeah. it's fun. But and I, I, think I think that's think a, great, look, a great way to be, you, you know, you as look a coach. At guys, for sure. And I think I've said this before on this podcast. You look at guys that as they get older, their, their bag of tricks maybe doesn't work. You know, they get different personnel and they, they keep trying to run the same offense. And as they get older – you know, Charlie Weiss is, you know, a guy that comes to mind where, like, for a while there, everyone thought he was the greatest offensive mind ever. And So, Andrew, getting to the actual game, uh, the Saints just pistol-whipped the Eagles. But the thing that I found the most interesting was after the game, the Saints were like, dude, the Eagles played a defense that they haven't played in two years. And, look, I know that the Eagles were beat up in the secondary. I know they have a ton of injuries. But for the Saints to see a defense that they didn't practice for all fucking week and the Eagles hadn't played in two years and the Saints, it didn't even phase them. Like, it would have been one thing if the Saints would have said, oh, you know, they they played this weird defense we hadn't seen. And it took us two series to figure it out and then we rolled like they just rolled from the get-go like that's how good this offense is a team can play a defense they haven't played in two years and the saints are like yeah whatever and it doesn't even fucking it's not even a speed bump that to me it blows my mind well not only that but it's just breeze recognizing immediately that thomas and Kamara are getting doubled and we just haven't seen any of these role players traquan dan arnold um Austin Carr. I mean, we, we haven't seen Kirkwood. We haven't seen any of these guys. Kirkwood a little bit last week, but we haven't really seen any of these guys make plays. And Breeze, with reckless abandon, is just going to all of them immediately. So it's just like the adjustment was instant, instantaneous. And I think a big part of it, again, I mean, you talk about, yeah, like the Eagles haven't done this in two years, but Breeze is 39. And that's where I think you have the luxury of a guy who has literally seen everything and just his ex- this is it we've got an amex platinum pro on our hands ladies and gentlemen we haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the centurion lounge <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary wi-fi oh my look at that he is and you will not believe where he's going next the amex dedicated card member entrance for the win unbelievable when you get travel perks with amex platinum you're part of the action that's the powerful backing of american express Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. (laughs) I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate.
experience. It's you, there's nothing you can throw at Breeze that he's going to be unprepared for. And that's where I think you get an advantage in a quarterback who maybe, you know, gets a little confused because he's new to the league. And, uh, you know, maybe for a series or two, like you said, you can throw him off his game. Um, but with Breeze, I, I just think that he is processing stuff in real time um, and making adjustments from play from one play to the next. Ralph, did you mute yourself? When when the yeah when the when the Saints played the Bears in 2006 in the NFC Championship, the Saints after the game were like, yeah, the Bears usually play cover two. They played man out the ass, and it just confused us. And the Saints they figured it out and they got back in the game right. But Breeze threw a bunch of picks. But it's a case of Breeze and Peyton being better. But it's also just a case of the Saints just overwhelm you with fucking talent now. They have Kamara and Thomas and an offensive line that can whip your ass and Ingram. Like, this yeah. offense, I mean... I'll tell you what, I, though, man. And, again, this kind of goes back to Breeze, to me, being the MVP. And, you know, the thing about Sims, Chris Sims, that just pisses me off so much when I listen <laughs> to him. is he, he talks about how, like... Yeah, Breeze, all he does is dump offs and screen passes. First of all, Mahomes does that more than Breeze. But, uh, you know, I mean, just pulling things out of his ass and basically saying it's Peyton, it's the offense. But, like, if you look at that touchdown pass to Traquan Smith, he is not remotely open. He is completely covered. There's a safety. Not only is he completely covered, but there's a safety nearby. Where like, if Breeze misses that ball anywhere, I, I don't even understand how that ball was completed. But B- Breeze literally throws it the only place it can be where it basically hits Smith right in the shoulder pads with the defender right on his hip. And, like, he had basically has to catch the ball out of self-defense. But, like, yeah. I mean, you look at the accuracy there on that play. It's just like I, – I, and this goes back to Devery Henderson and Meacham and Lance Moore and Willie Sneed. Like, Breeze makes these guys stars. He ma- these guys make plays with Breeze because of the position he puts him in, period. Yeah, I just, I've had about enough. I've had about enough of Chris Sims. Like, he has just decided to take this contrarian Drew Breeze take. And the thing is, Nick Underhill is like the nicest guy, and he doesn't really fight with people on Twitter, and he doesn't say mean things. And he put the smackdown on Chris Sims in a subtle way. He's like, look, you can argue whether Pat Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes, or Drew Brees is MVP, but the fact is, Drew Brees isn't just throwing screen passes, and he laid out the numbers, and it was just, you know, it was just a clear smackdown to Chris Sims. It's like, you're making shit up. Like, Drew Brees is throwing the ball downfield. The Saints are killing people. And the thing is, Drew Brees flat out said to Traquan Smith, I threw you that ball because I trust you. You know, in this Saints offense, I mean, it's it's basically unstoppable. And I think, Andrew, they've put up 40 points in a row three times, three games in a row. First team to do that since the Patriots in 07. It's only the fourth team ever to do that in NFL history. I think it's time to start having this discussion about the Saints offense, not whether it's better than the 2009 Saints offense or the 2011 offense. It's time to start saying about the Saints offense, is it 2007-level Patriots great? Is it 1998-99 Rams great? Yeah, yeah. Um, I I, I still want to see more, of course. Um, Man, I wish they would have gotten Jimmy Graham. That, that's the one thing that still <laughs> it still burns me because I just feel like if they had a, a dominant presence at tight end, just imagine how much well, more here's evil. Well, here's, here's, here's the thing with, with Jimmy Graham, though. Let's say they get Jimmy Graham at 5 or $6 million a year. Do they get demario davis you know do or they, are they able to do other things could they have done could they have done everything they wanted to do in free agent you know granted patrick robinson got hurt but could they have gotten patrick robinson and you know if they'd have gotten mm-hmm. jimmy graham so i don't know i don't know the answer to that yeah. but it would have you would have had all these un, uh, unintended consequences but but jimmy graham i mean he took he got he got ridiculous money from green bay but he would be he'd be killing it in the saints offense like it it would be it would be beyond unfair it's pretty much unfair now um the offense 
the only concern I have with them is injuries, obviously. Warford got a concussion. He's probably not going to play Thursday. So if they're down two guys, we won't predict Atlanta. You don't have to predict Atlanta. We'll do that at the end of the show. But is it? does it get – when does it get – does it get concerning with the offensive line? It's concerning for sure, but I, I just think the Saints are so confident right now that I mean, Sean Payton, you, you could give him any scenario injury-wise, and he would he would figure it out. Yeah. I, I just I, I just think like this offense is too good that you know if you were to take one thing away or, or make it you know five percent ten percent worse. Like we're talking about, they're putting up thirty-eight points instead of forty-eight. You know, <laughs> they're <laughs> averaging thirty-seven point eight points a game. I mean that—that's fucking ridiculous. And listen, I, I know Philadelphia. The, the thing is, I said on the Patreon podcast for Victory Monday, which, by the way, you should subscribe. It's a, you should become a patron. It's only a dollar. You pay three twenty-eight. You can get a magnet, uh, but. I said on the podcast, Andrew, the the patron only podcast, Andrew, is you know the they have the, they have like the three classes of NFL teams that I like to say. You have like the bottom five that are trash, and then you have like the middle of like twenty teams that are like between four and six and six and four, right? Mm-hmm. And then you have like the six good teams. I think the Saints have separated themselves out, and they're a class. Like you have the bottom, the middle, five hundred. 6-10 and 10 to 10-6, ten and six, where it's difference of four plays. And then you have, like, four or five teams that are really good and can beat everybody else. And then you have the fucking Saints all by themselves. And I'm watching this Monday night game, and I'm like, Kansas City, you might lead the league in sacks. The Saints will burn your secondary to the ground. The Rams, hey, we already know what the Saints did to you. I mean, I, I don't think they're going at 15-1. and one, But a week ago, I was adamant that it wasn't possible now 15 and one is like a 30 percent chance like i just don't see a team beating the saints unless the saints vomit on themselves on offense and i yeah. and i don't see how that well, happens well we keep saying like at some point like this isn't sustainable like the no turnovers the efficiency breezes passing completion percentage like you know at some point you know they're gonna have a stinker of a game and it, it, it's not sustainable but now i'm starting to be like well why not like why why is it not sustainable what if this is the norm what if this is just on such a defcon level that it's just a, like a machine that keeps rolling out the 40 point games so uh i mean i first of all i want to apologize for picking the eagles again oh publicly yeah dave, to could, win. dave couldn't join us tonight he i wish he was here because he would just roast the both yes, of us and we deserved yes, it we deserve it um but i'm not gonna be doing that again this season it, until something i see something that kind of categorically changes the way i feel about the team or just you know i see something that concerns me whether it be injury or decline or whatever I just don't see this team losing. Like I, I'm, I'm convinced now. That this team doesn't let up. You know, they don't really, um, they don't, they don't lose concentration. They're, they're laser focused. The defense is starting to play better, which is terrifying for other teams. And uh, I just, if Eli Apple plays like that, like that's, if the secondary starts to cover better, which they did in that game, like I really feel like this is an unbeatable team. So yeah, I, I mean, I think and, and, fifteen and one for me now is absolutely in play. Well, here's the here's the thing: the Saints' defense has come up to a level recently where if they have a week where Drew Brees completes sixty percent of his passes and throws three touchdowns and a pick, and they have a fumble, but the defense is pretty good and creates a couple of turnovers, like, the Saints are still going to win that football game, probably. It'll Now, granted, it'll be close, and we won't have the fourth quarter where it's just all fun and jokes on Twitter, and we're, we're asking questions like, why are the starters still in the game? The Saints are up 30. Why are they throwing the ball? Why is Kamara still playing? Like, it, it'll be close. But, I mean... This defense, Andrew, I mean, granted, it beat the shit out of Wentz and they're beat up. But, I mean, I want to start with Sheldon Rankins. He's starting to play. Now, granted, he's not in the Aaron Donald class because Aaron Donald's is Aaron Donald is just – he's a defensive tackle in his own little world. He, I, I believe he's an alien from a different planet. 
But Sheldon Rankins, any other defensive tackle, who's playing better than that dude? Man, he is he's playing so well. And um, it's one of those things where I'm starting to wonder, is he not the best player on this defense? Yeah, I, I don't throw that out lightly because we know how great Cam Jordan is and we know how great Lattimore is. But um, if, if there's a guy that's standing out to me is more consistently making plays every yeah. single week, right now it's kind of feeling like Rankins. Now, you know, Jordan still has the time to task, and even when he's not getting sacks, I mean, you saw it yesterday. Um, he, he's playing great. Yeah. So, uh, to me, Jordan's still the guy that runs that ship on defense. But uh, but Rankins has been close. He, he He's at that level this season. Yeah, I mean, the thing is with the Saints is, man, I don't know what Marcus Davenport is going to be when he gets back from that foot. I don't know if he'll be full strength. You know, he he's and he's still learning on the job, right? And, and that that was the thing with him. He needed he needs snaps to get better to get where he can be and be great, I think. Um so I don't know what he's going to be when he gets back. But if he can be 75% of what he was against Minnesota, where he's just wrecking people, the Saints are going to murder teams in the playoffs in the Dome. And I don't care who it is or what it is. Um, were you su- were you surprised that Malcolm Jenkins gave Sean Payton the finger after the Kamara touchdown? I was a little bit surprised at that. A little bit. I mean, he's a classy guy, so you know it's a little out of character. But I know he's super competitive. Yeah. And um, you know, I, I think it's. I don't necessarily think it's good natured, but um, in the moment. But you know, those guys obviously go way back, and I think there's a lot of respect there. So, yeah, I mean, uh, a little surprised, but you know, listen, it's the heat of the moment, and listen, I, I have no problem with it because I'm entertained, and I, I'm, I'm a firm believer. <laughs> the media has been a real butt hurt about Dude, oh my the God. throwing on fourth down. Every like, I've seen. If people you ever, if you have a problem with it, stop it. Uh, that's my first thing. Like, you just. If, if, if you don't like it, then sure, remember it and, and play better next time because it's yeah. on you and you're the embarrassment for getting scored I'm su- on. I'm, the thing that surprised me is they have a lot of people – like analytics people don't usually – because they're younger and you know they don't usually get their feelings hurt and their panties in a bunch about uh, – Teams run up the score. Respect for the game, right? Yeah, like they had a lot of analytics people and younger footballers that were like ripping the Saints and saying, "Hey, you're playing starters too long, and you don't have class. And if you, you, if you really, you should, you, you should at the end, you shouldn't. If if you really feel that way that you need to run it up, that you shouldn't, you should have done it earlier, not on fourth down. And here's the thing: I love Mike Golick Jr.'s tweet. He's like, "The Saints are gonna hurt a lot of people's feelings the next six weeks." <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "That's it, man. It's it's no curse. It's just really simple, because they are going to fucking run up the score." And here's the thing: the Saints, Sean Payton, and Drew Brees, and that offense, and that team, they aren't going to say, "We want to go 15 and one. We want to get Drew Brees the MVP. We want to get Michael Thomas a record. We want to get." A shit ton of guys to the Pro Bowl. Like they aren't going to say that because to say that publicly, it's really arrogant and it makes people uncomfortable. I think. But Sean Payton is all about getting dudes records, and he flat, and he said in a great interview, he says he he said this about Lance Moore. He said to Lance Moore, he said, "Trust me." When he was younger, and he said, "Trust me, I will make you rich," and. Guys love that about him, man, because they think of Sean Payton. They're like, he's going to put me in the best chance to succeed, and when I succeed, I get paid. And, you know, like Mark Ingram, two years ago when the Saints were 7-9 and and they were playing Atlanta, and Atlanta was kicking their ass, right? But he made sure Mark Ingram got his 1,000 yards, right, in 2016. That sort of stuff stuff matters, and it goes back to your thing about Sean They just... The Saints just really don't give a fuck what anybody else thinks, and it's great. And well, going back to that tweet, I just think that it, it dawned on me just now. This this needs to be that needs to be the slogan for the rest of the year. Feelings are <laughs> feelings are going to get hurt because you know what this is. This is the um, 
to me, this is the tour. You know, first you, you you look at the schedule, and you know the Saints have to play, you know, a Thursday night game on Thanksgiving against the Falcons on on four days rest, and they've got to play the Super Bowl champions, beat them forty eight to seven. You know, they, they the Saints don't win on the road. They can't play in the cold. They they blow out the Cincinnati Bengals in thirty four degree weather. You know, there all, all these narratives that yep. have been, been been said for years for all of Breeze's career. You know, he's a stat patter, putting up the best year. You know, he, he the arm truthers. He can't throw anymore. Putting up the best stats of his career. He's never won an MVP. Well, guess what? That's coming next. Um, you know, so all, all these kind of naysayers. I feel like this is all coming together this year, where um, these these people that have said things about the Saints about Breeze, like they're reaping what they sow, and it's just the Saints are shoving people's noses in it one game at a time. And uh, the Falcons on Thanksgiving is just the next opportunity for, once again, Breeze and Peyton to show America that this year feelings are going to get hurt. (laughs) And here's the thing. Here's the thing, man, with this um, with this team. You know, we thought that we thought the schedule was going to be difficult and the schedule is fairly difficult. I mean, the the Saints really haven't played uh, just outright trash teams right they haven't played they haven't gotten to play the arizonas and the buffaloes and the jacksonvilles and and those sorts of teams we thought the schedule was difficult now the saints are on a different level the schedule is irrelevant you know yes um that's right it really is but here's the thing ingram and camara said it best the only the they just have to worry about themselves that's it yeah the the saints are so good talent wise they're superior to everyone and they just need to do what they do, and that's all that needs to be done. Yeah, against thing, any opponent. And the thing too is that, and, and you, I think we talked—we didn't talk about this on necessarily in the Patreon podcast, but me and you talked about it today on the phone. This Saints team is just fucking ridiculously deep, and not that you want to have injuries, but you—you you mentioned it, and it's players that we forget about because they're not playing. But mention some of the dudes that just are inactive for the Saints that don't play and don't contribute, and I, and go for about a minute because I need to turn off an alarm. So go okay. for like sixty seconds. Hey guys, how's it going? I guess it's just you and me now since Ralph is gone. Um, no, but uh, first of all, Manti Teo is a guy that stands out. He's not playing at all. The dude's a good linebacker, and listen. I think with Anzalone kind of emerging this year, uh, certainly deserves the playing time. Uh, Klein and Davis are playing at a very high level. Saints really like their linebackers right now. Um, and, and so Manti Teo's not playing, but Manti Teo's a good player, and he's a guy that could be playing for a lot of other teams, and, and he's just sitting there inactive. And, you know, German Bushrod's a guy that's been in the league, been a pro bowler. Uh, he's a little bit old, older, but I think what you're seeing is when a guy has his talent level and he stays fresh all season because he hasn't really been playing uh, and he has to come in and start, um, kind of on the fly, he comes in and he has a good game. Yeah, well, I'm back. I just had to plug in the baby monitor. It was giving the alarm because it was out of juice. And I probably people were if if people are annoyed by the cat in the background, they would probably be annoyed by that. Well, it, I, I ranted well for you. Yeah, I, I had a so, nice little moment with our listeners while you were gone. <laughs> but that's the thing, man. This the Saints, and I think they proved it last year, right? Because they had a shit. The Saints were the the only team in the NFL that had in the the top 10 teams that had the most injuries. The Saints were the only one that made the playoffs. And that roster, remember going into last year, we were like, man, this roster, we think it can be good, but it, everything kind of needs to break right injury-wise because they are not deep. And they'll be fucked if they get even a handful of injuries. Well, that proved totally wrong. Like, they got decimated with injuries all over the place, and they just powered through it. And this year... The injury pendulum is swung back, which it usually does, right? Because the Saints had bad injuries in 2016 and 2017, so it's, it eventually swings back and evens out. And now they're deep. And granted, look, every team has injuries that they just certain spots you can't you can't sustain, right? Um, but the Saints are in a good a good spot injury wise. The other thing that I that I want to talk about besides the besides the depth. Um, talk a little bit about we, you talked about Eli Apple playing better, but what specifically did you see from him yesterday that you were like, oh, that's good? 
I, I just think his technique is getting better. He, he's getting more comfortable with the defense. And I just think confidence rubs off. I, I just think right now the, the defense knows that the offense is putting up 40. And, and so you just start to play with a little bit more freedom. And, and, you know, then all of a sudden you play a guy like Carson Wentz. You hold him to under 150 yards passing. You pick him off three times. And you start to believe that you, they're they're starting to get that swagger that they had yeah. last year. They're starting to get that back, and yeah. so Eli plug Eli Apple into that. But there's just a couple times where, you know, the separation that we saw the first few weeks with the receivers he was covering, like he's in their hip more. Yeah. Um, and and the thing that impressed me the most is that he was running with Golden Tate, and um, you know, Alshon Jeffrey. I mean, the, that receiving core that they have, Aguilar. They've got some good players, and um, so I was I was surprised and pleasantly surprised to see, you know, there were a few times where Wentz wasn't even going his way because the coverage was just really tight. The coverage in that game for the Saints was excellent. Uh, I got to like the cornerbacks in general an A plus because I was watching that game from the stands, and you know I kind of sit where I can see the play develop a little bit. I'm on the 300 level, and. Um, I mean, it's just like every play when he would go back to pass. I mean, there was a pass rush there, which was great. But a lot of times he'd have a couple seconds and it was just the coverage was perfect. Yeah. And that's the thing, man. I, you know, a lot of times when the Saints, the the defense plays okay, but you see a guy um, like I felt in the Washington game, the defense played really well. But I felt that was more a case of the pass rush got to Alex Smith and he got shook. And they were yeah. dudes that were they were dudes that were open, but Alex missing. Smith was shook and he couldn't yeah. hit him, and he yeah. was inaccurate. Yesterday, I felt like they shook Wentz a little bit, but mostly dudes just weren't open. Yeah, well, he missed a couple throws, so I, I definitely feel like I mean that was the worst game I've ever seen Wentz play in the NFL. Um, and yeah. he missed a couple guys. I mean, even some of his completions, like it could have been bigger gains, but he would throw it behind the receiver and they would fall down after catching it to kind of adjust. Um, so I, I didn't think his location and accuracy was very good in this game. But, um, but yeah, I, I agree with you. The Redskins game was a lot more, you know, Smith starting off hot and then just folding like, you know, folding like a card because, the hits were coming and he was getting sacked too much. And then the accuracy started to go. Whereas in this game, I really felt like from start to finish, the corners were actually playing really well. <laughs> you know, and I want to remind people again, man, we are, ha- we, we are having so much fun in the patron podcast where we did the breakdown before the game last week. We did, we do victory Monday or blue Monday, which we haven't had a blue Monday since Tampa. Um, you know, and we're having we have message board Friday. That's in the can for Thanksgiving. Oh, and this isn't patron. You, anybody can get it, but the patrons help support it. I did drunk history, and the November and December episodes are up. Andrew, I did the 1983 season with my boy Mike Mills, who does Booking the Territory, great old school wrestling podcast. The 1983 season is nothing but comedy and pain. But it's fantastic. Me and Mike were shit-faced. And 1983, it has... The Saints have painful losses. You can't even... If I told you how they happened, you wouldn't believe it. But they're true. So check that out, especially if you're driving. to like You're driving to New Orleans. You're driving to see family. you got two drunk, drunk history podcasts. It's like 90 minutes combined. Listen to it and then become a patron and support us. Um, so this team, I mean... <sighs> They're so, they're so good right now. Um, do you see any? Do you like? It's so hard because they're outscored teams by like eighty something points. But do you see any? Have you seen any flaws in them the last two weeks at all? I hate no. to nitpick because that's negative. None. Zero. <laughs> I mean, they, they they just beat the Super Bowl champs forty eight to seven. What do you want from me? No, I mean, the thing is, the thing with me is that their offensive line, it's playing at a level that is just ridiculous. Especially when you see every guy on the injury report, like every single one of them. (laughs) You know, it's like the thing is half of them are hopping on one leg and they're still doing that. The interesting thing about the Saints offensive line is it doesn't grade out that high from the analytics people because Andres Pete 
is having a dreadful year, according to the analytics people. Like, he's in the bottom five of starting guards at PFF, I believe. So their mm-hmm. line is weird. So what are you seeing? Like, I feel like they're wrong and a lot of times, and you've explained that, why they don't necessarily know how to grade offensive line for teams. But what are you seeing from from the interior? Because they're, they're obviously kicking ass. So what, do you, what what's happening that the, ner- the, the stat nerds aren't seeing? Well, first of all, I think Unger's playing great. And, um, you know, he he probably got nicked unfairly for one game against the Browns, right? I thought he didn't play very well. So um, you take that game away and Unger has been Unger. You know, he's been the same guy he's been since the Saints first got him in the Jimmy Graham trade. So, um, you know, I, I think he's fine. Warford to me looks the same, the exact same as last year. Now I, I, I thought the pro bowl, trip last year was maybe a little inflated based on the Saints' success um i don't think he's a dominant guard but he's just solid he's powerful um yeah. he doesn't make he doesn't make a lot of mistakes i mean he's a good player really good player and uh, to me it's the same uh you know pete I, I think part of it's just he's been banged up all year you know i think it's been a continual thing with him he's been playing hurt um so i, I think there's times maybe where you know, he looks physically like he's just not as powerful and he's maybe laboring a little bit. And so you see certain plays where you're just like, he's just not mauling this guy. And that's what I'm used to seeing with him when I know he's 100% healthy. Um, but then you'll see moments where he's pulling, you know, and, and listen, the run game is working. Past, the Saints aren't getting sacked, number one. And number two, Ingram and Kamara's yards per carry keep going up every week. So the offensive line is starting to play better and better. Um, and, um, you know, maybe Pete's had a couple bad games, and I just think when your sample size is small, 16 games is, is a really small sample size, and, you know, these PFF guys, they grade out the game, and they just see a couple games where they don't like what they saw from Pete because maybe he was a little banged up and didn't have his best game. I mean, the one thing PFF also doesn't do is it doesn't grade based on the quality of the opponent. And when you're going up against Aaron Donald – and you're going, you know, you're going up against the Vikings front and you're going up against McCoy. And yeah, I mean, I'm just saying like the Saints have played some really hard fronts yeah. this year. And the dude from Philadelphia, what's his name? Um, Fletcher Cox. So like the Saints have played some really tough defensive tackles, like some of the best in the league. And so, you know, I think it's unfair that if you're going up against them, but you might be the Patriots, you know, and you play the Dolphins and the Bills and, and the Jets twice yeah. a year. You yeah, know, I, they, just, I, I just don't think it's fair that, <laughs> like, you, you should be weighted towards, like, stronger competition. No, I think that's a great point because you, you grade, you know, you, you, you play a trash pile of a, of a defensive line and you looked awesome. You played the Rams and, yes, Aaron Donald had th- two tackles behind the line of scrimmage and, yes, maybe he had a sack – but, like, against a shitty guard, Aaron Donalds will completely fucking wreck a team plan by himself. Yeah, so yeah. it's like you kept Aaron Donald from just destroying your whole plan, and that's a win, right? But PF exactly. will be like, eh, he was not that great, you know? And I, I mean, just, I, just, I just feel like it, it would be like PFF roasting a player for giving him a horrible grade because he got beat for two touchdowns by Tyree Kill. And it's like no one, no one can cover Tyree Kill. He runs by everyone. Literally, no, no one can stay with that guy. So like, here at some at some point, like, like for example, let's say the Saints play the Chiefs and Eli Apple gets roasted by Tyree Kill. Do we really think Eli Apple all of a sudden sucks just because he got killed by Hill? Or does Hill do that to everyone? And do we need to be realistic about what a player's limitations are because no one can run with that guy? Here, here's my question with the Saints offense, and I just thought of this: Is Kirkwood is he's got to be in the top three of just random dudes that did stuff for the Saints in a game uh, at receiver? Yeah, he. he oh, I, I was gonna say he's up there with Willie Whitehead in terms of just who is that guy again? I mean, um, well, Willie Whitehead played a bunch of years. I mean, like I was thinking Jamal no, but when he, Jones. But, but when but when Willie Whitehead first showed up, I mean, yeah, I yeah. mean, for like receiver random, Jamal Jones is a good call. Rod Harper. Did Rod Harper? Did he ever do anything in a regular season game though? Uh, Terrence Copper. Terrence Terrence Copper is number one to me. 
even ahead of Joe Morgan because yeah. Terrence Copper caught a hail mary against Atlanta. I remember so the tight end. Remember the tight end Darnell Dinkins. Oh yeah, remember yeah. when he caught a touchdown? You're just like, who is that? <laughs> That's it. I mean, but 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 Kirkwood's up there. But the thing is, though, Kirkwood, like we 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 laugh, but he's got a nice little like a nice body and and he, he's he enormous. Might, he's long. He might be something. He he's got a good catch radius. Like he, I, I'm surprised he wasn't playing sooner. Like I've I've loved everything I've seen from him and. You know, there was a couple third and shorts where I was shocked to see Breeze have the confidence to go to him. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, this is a, we're talking about an undrafted practice squad guy. And, <laughs> man, it's crazy. It's crazy to me that Ted Ginn has not even remotely been missed. It's also kind of crazy to me that Tommy Lee Lewis made this team. When you look at, you know, when you just look at the receivers that are making plays now, um, you know, it's just it's wild. Here, Here is it. It's time for... The hot take of the week, and and that is sponsored by JLD Hot Sauces and Knives. Guys, they have the best hot sauce. Their award-winning hot sauce, Boot Jolica, comes in hot, extra hot, my personal favorite, and Thai flavors. Go to JLDSharpSauce.com, use the code SAINTS, and get 10% off your order today. That's JLDSharpSauce.com. Okay, it's time for my hot take of the week. And Andrew, this is it. I think... The Carolina Panthers are not going to make the playoffs. Love it. I mean, look, they're six and four. I know their schedule's easy, but I just have this feeling. They play the Saints twice. They play the Saints twice. That's two losses. That gets them six and six. I mean, you almost have to. They almost have to run the table or go three and one the rest of the way. I, I think the Carolina Panthers might not – they're not going to make the playoffs, and I think there's a good chance that Rivera gets fired because they have a new owner and he'll want his own people in. And we could see big changes with Carolina. After being 6-2, and two, uh, I think they're going to go on a slide. That is my uh, hot take of the week sponsored by JLD uh, Hot Sauces. Um, so we have a ton of questions, Andrew, from people. I asked people – um, to uh, give me uh, questions, and I asked them to give me their best twenty-eight to three joke. Uh, and uh, if they did so, um, it would uh, give them a free magnet. Uh, so this is from Dylan. He asked, "Can you get Moose denied to do a podcast version of me? We make the rules, pal." Uh, we had Wang on me and Kevin like long 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 time ago but wang even when he blogged and he was the acknowledged king of saints bloggers doing twice a week he just doesn't like to do podcasts but if wang hears this and wants to come on we will gladly do a drunk history with whatever wang wants to talk about um i support this fully what's that i support this fully this is from the Todd Newberg, Andrew. Uh, can we get Jason Garrett fired? It's <laughs> looking ahead. Uh, uh, well, who was the coach we most recently got fired? The Cincinnati defensive coordinator? Uh, why, why not? Austin. Austin, yeah. I mean, like I said, once again, th- this year the mantra starting now is we're going to hurt some feelings. It is. Hashtag Breeze for MVP and hashtag we're going to hurt some feelings. <laughs> this is from Dylan. Should the Saints play the Falcons Patriots Super Bowl highlights again pregame on the Jumbotron like last year? <laughs> yes. Oh my God. That was so good. I was there at that game. And um, I, I remember actually speaking of crying and whining. Uh, I remember Atlanta and the Falcons organization complaining about yeah, that. Yeah, they didn't like the Marta bus thing either. No, they did not like that. <laughs> um, so uh, l- listen, I'm here for it. all of it. Here, this is from Super Deformed. I've been so relaxed the last the last few weeks. I've not had to resort to predicting the worst outcomes to jinx the, jinx the Saints into winning. Is this a new life for me, man? This total real. You know, I always wondered like. At the beginning of the year, I was like, middle of the year, I was like, what do Alabama fans feel like when they just like they don't they don't play their quarterback in the fourth quarter? They're up thirty. Like, how's how's that living? Like, is that fun? Is that enjoyable? And I have to say, Andrew, 
kicking teams' ass and just being able to drink and joke and not even worry about the game in the fourth quarter is the fucking best. Yeah, but the walk-off win, man, the the exhilaration you get from yeah, it is. That's you true. know the walk-off win is is still pretty special. I think if the Saints were doing this every single week, um, it might it might start to get not old, but just I mean we'd still be excited. But I just think you know there there's still like you know th- those games where you'd pull it out. The ba- at the, the end, Baltimore game was, hard. was the Baltimore game was pretty fun just because it was weird and you were like. Wait, what just happened? Yeah, but just pulling that out. Well, I mean, like the Falcons win in overtime. Yeah, you know, those those are the ones that you cherish. I think more more so than the fifty point wins. This is from John Oliver. Did you notice that watching the second half of a Falcons game is like listening to the B side of a hit single? Man, the Falcons got their fucking guts ripped out. Now they just shit the bed straight up in Cleveland, but they they fought their. They fought their ass off against Dallas and came back from ten down, and uh, and couldn't get it couldn't get it done. Their defense just couldn't get off the field at the end. To you know what overtime. this? You know what this? Speaking of B sides, you know what the, this season feels like for the Falcons. You know when a band releases a new album, and but it's like outtakes from like old sessions, <laughs> and, and you're like really excited because it's your favorite band, but then you realize that those outtakes like they didn't make the previous albums for a reason and so you listen to this and like on paper it's your favorite band and you know that they, they write a lot of good songs so this should be really good and it's just all just kind of awful you're and, like yeah it's like yeah. a half cooked it's like a half cooked pizza and you just kind of feel like at the end you listen through it once and you just kind of like <laughs> i'm never listening to this again i i had this is uh billy gomley he Sometimes listen to the show, and he's a great follow on Twitter. He had maybe my favorite tweet about music ever. He said, the best Bob Dylan song is the one you never heard. (laughs) And I like Bob Dylan, but I just – that tweet just – I'm I'm not a fan. I I actually fully support that. I'm personally not not a fan of Bob Dylan at all. I don't get it. This is another good question from Dylan. What NFC team scares you the most heading into the playoffs? Uh, it's definitely the Rams. I know we just beat them, but like I, I don't want to go play them in L.A. And their offense is sick. I mean, we're seeing that tonight against the Chiefs, and they they can score in a hurry. They, McVay is. I mean, I I know we want to just like take that win to the bank and just assume that that applies forever, but we're gonna have to face that team again, and it's gonna be really tough. Yeah, um, and, and Wade Phillips is a really good defensive coordinator, and he get giving him a second bite at the apple. Um. But I know he's asking that because he's curious if I'll say Bears. Um, well, he, I, I just I just don't think Trubisky is consistent enough um, to to hurt the Saints. I mean, if Wentz can't do it, I just don't think Trubisky can. Well, here's the thing with the Bears. Um, I don't know. The Bears might be, and this is a, a a Bill Simmons take that I really like. He said he would describe NFL teams as they're a good bad team, and that they can beat shitty teams. And they can beat a lot of 500 teams, but if you put them against good teams, they just, not only do they lose, they get stomped. And I think that might be the Bears. Like, you look at their record, they they, they beat 500 teams like the Vikings. They stomp bad teams. Um, but when they play good teams, they kind of get beat down or they lose, like the Patriot game. Um, but here's the I thing just, about... I just, the- I just think the Bears, like... Like to beat the Saints, you have to score forty points, and the Bucks did that. That's the only, you know, it's the only game yeah. they've lost all year. You, you've got to score forty on the Saints to beat them, and I just don't believe the Bears are capable of that. The only, the only caveat I said on Twitter, and the only way the that the Saints would go into the Bears game, and I would be very concerned, is if the Saints went into the Bears game and the Saints offensive line was really beat up and missing two or three dudes, and you had to face Khalil Mack and Akeem Hicks, who is really really good now but that's that's a caveat you could flip it around like if the saints went into the game and khalil mack had a sprained ankle and hicks was out the saints would obliterate the bears so like that's my only caveat the bears i think just interest people as a matchup for the saints because they wouldn't try to outscore the saints it'd be like we're gonna stop you and that's yeah. why I think it, it interests people. Well, well more. but he, but here's the reality of like if the, if the Saints do play the Bears, like that's here's the reality of how that plays out. 
the Saints are probably going to be having a bye, right? And so the Bears are going to have to play in Chicago in really cold weather in a wild card game and, you know, get the snot beat out of them and grind their way to a win physically tough on the, at home in the cold. And then they're going to have to fly to New Orleans. They're going to have to play the Saints in the Dome a week later. The Saints will have had a, basically a bye week to rest their offensive line. So, like, you know, I, I just I, I think through that scenario and then the Bears having to come into the Dome in a playoff game with the, this crowd, um, I, I just think those are tall odds. Like, the way that sets up, that's probably how it plays out if these two teams end up playing. And uh, those are not good odds for the Bears. Yeah, just the the, the guy. The, if if you said the team that I feel the most, I know it's crazy, but Aaron Rodgers in a playoff game, he would scare me just because he could he can go supernova, and there's not a fucking thing you could do about it. Now I know Green Bay has other problems, but I think if you told me that the scare it'd be just Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Um, yeah, here's the thing. Fair. Here's another thing. What happens first? O line gives up a sack. Drew throws his second pick, or Dave's boyfriend breaks Deuce's rushing record. What happens first? Yeah. Mm, I don't know. I don't know if Breeze is ever throwing a pick again. <laughs> I mean, Ingram is like three forty-five away from the record, so. He's. He, I, I'm pretty confident, Andrew. I wasn't when he first got suspended that he was going to get there. Three forty-five. He's going to get there. He's going to get there. Yeah, because week seventeen, Sean will pump him the ball. Yeah, it's, and, it's they, happening. And, and and the thing is, they still play Tampa, who's god awful on defense. You know. Um, yeah. So. Uh, and Steelers, for all their problems, they still have problems against the run. So he's gonna he's gonna get there, man, because he's gonna he's gonna have a, a he's gonna have one more game that's gonna be like a buck twenty five, a buck fifty, and that puts him at two hundred yards for five other games. That's like forty fifty yards a game, and he's there. Um, here, this is another question. Uh, do you see from Dylan? Do you see Sean laying his foot off the gas pedal on the Falcons if they go up big like the last two games? Yeah, I mean, you don't get the extra long bye because the Saints have to play Thursday again, so it's a normal week. So you know he's gonna. So yeah, I do. I do think so. I think he'll put let his foot off the gas pedal because the Saints are playing more for than pettiness with the Falcons at this point. You know, to me, the Falcons are done um, and their season's pretty much over and the Saints are playing for something bigger than their rivalry at the Falcons. So yeah. uh, I, I yeah. think I, and, and that, that that part of this is a reason why I kind of agree that Bree should have been pulled sooner in the Cincinnati game and the uh, and the game against um, the Eagles on Sunday, just because I, I feel like now like it's coming into clear focus that the saints are playing for something bigger than just you know these blowout games in the fourth quarter and look you know we talked about it too on the on the patron podcast which you should pay for and get but you know the teddy bridgewater trade I said to you, my theory was Sean Payton went into Mickey Loomis's office in late August and said, look, this is our Sistine Chapel. We can't have it fucked up because Tom Savage has to play for three weeks. Yeah. Go get Teddy Bridgewater. And at the time, we said, man, a third-round pick, that's high. That could be, you know, if it goes badly for the Saints, you could, it could be a high pick. Man, now that pick is going to be, at best, 94 you know, the, yeah. the the second the, the first round pick for Davenport is going to be at best 29, 28 for Green Bay, you know. So yeah. basically the Saints gave up 27 and 28. And that's like worst case scenario for the Saints in the playoffs for Davenport. That's nothing. So these trades, the Saints have gotten good value and they have protect, they, have, they they bought the premium insurance. And if they need it for a week or two they could still get home field advantage, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a great question from Guillaume. How many games of suspension is rankings going to serve for PED violations at the start of next year? <laughs> um, yeah, whatever. He's probably taking whatever Ingram has. Well, yeah, I've, I've made this joke like five times now, but I'll say it again. Whatever uh, Ingram took, they got him suspended. I'm glad he did. 
He looks mm. faster. He looks strong. I mean, he he looks good. It's funny how like in the NFL, like guys get popped for PEDs, and like any other sports, like baseball, tennis, dude's a cheater, you know. And like no, football. Like, uh, first question: football, when's, he come, when's he coming back? Yeah, when's he coming back? Yeah. Baseball. They have panel discussions on how he's ru- he's ruined the youth of America. Right. Uh, let's see. Would the Saints winning the Super Bowl on the Dirty Birds home turf cut the Birds' already limited home game attendance in half? Man, Atlanta, I don't know if they say the people are in the suites or whatever. I watched a lot of that Dallas game. Like, the middle level of that stadium is, like, empty. It's very it's very strange. Well, and, and they suck. So, and they suck. Know, and they, they had a lot they, of Dallas. They, they, str- they, they struggle to get people in the stands when they're winning. So this is a this is goes. a great question. Um, before uh, we get to the the pick, what would be the perfect game for Thursday night? The absolute best result that would make this game immortal. Um, <laughs> well, I'm kind of stealing your answer, I think, Ralph. But I think if at some point in the game, the score is 28 to three. It doesn't yes. really matter how we get there, but in, at one point it is. But if we can just get a screenshot of the scoreboard saying 28 to three and and then obviously the Saints hold on and the Falcons don't come back um, that I think that we would just get so much mileage out of that. So that's kind of the peak. I mean, Dave would make a T-shirt and we'd all be able to retire. Yep. Yep. Um, so. Uh, all right. So we got to get to the, this this game pick. But before we do. I got to talk to you guys about my bookie. Uh, have you ever wanted to place a bet but didn't know but didn't because you were afraid to pick the wrong team? This Thanksgiving, it's finally possible for you to get a 100% refund on your bet if you lose it. That's right. With the Turkey Day free play, you can bet the spread on either the Bears or the Lions. If it wins, you win. If it wins, you win. If it loses, my bookie will give you your money back up to $250. You literally cannot lose. It's a no-risk, all-gravy. My bookie offers such a great product, and there's literally never been a better time to try them out. Unless your sportsbook is offering something like this, uh, it's time for you to make the switch. I've never heard of a sportsbook saying, hey, you get a free bet for up to $250, and I doubt that it'll ever happen again. These guys are trustworthy, fast, and helpful, so I know they're good at it. Look, guys, the new sports betting, they have a lot of questions. That's okay, too, because my bu- my bookie has patient customer service. I had an issue with them with my account. They walk you through it. They're great. Sign up this week, and my bookie will give you a 50% deposit bonus to jumpstart your bankroll. It's a great way to bank even more money when you win log on to my bookie right now and use the promo code happy to get 50 percent deposit bonus that's promo code happy you don't have to you don't need a promo code for the turkey day free play if you lose we'll credit the money back into your account automatically what are you waiting for sign up today and don't miss out on the gravy train at mybookie.com andrew this fucking line for this game, it's fucking ridiculous. It opened at 14 points, the Saints, as a favorite. It's down to 11 and a half. Uh, what's your prediction? That line is ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, you said it best. I think Vegas is just saying, all right, we're sick of this. Uh, yes. we're, go ahead and take the Saints at 14 plus, I dare you. Um, <laughs> and, and most it people is. are doing it. <laughs> Yes. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think Thursday is just tough because you don't have enough time to prepare. And I, it's actually kind of too bad because I think more time to prepare would be better just because I think I think it's a slight advantage to the Falcons because you kind of got to go willy nilly. And on a short week like this, you kind of have to throw what you think you're comfortable with without as much preparation. And I just think Sean Payton and Drew Brees are such masters at that, that and especially at this time of year where the Falcons are in decline and the saints are ascending. I just feel like if you give them a couple extra days of preparation, that that's a huge advantage to the saints. Um, now I do think short week traveling on the road, being the road, road team on a Thursday night game is always tougher. So advantage saints there, of course. Um, I think ultimately like it's, it's, it's going to be tough. You know, these games are always a little weird on Thursday nights. It's a rivalry game. The Falcons are going to play hard. Since so, 2008, of the 21 games the Saints and the Falcons have played, only seven 
have been decided by 10 points or more. Yeah, I I don't think the Saints will go full throttle in this one also because it's a short week and then they've got to play again a week later on another Thursday night game. So um, I, I think they'll manage themselves a little bit. Offensive line is banged up. I don't know how many guys they're going to be missing. So I'll say Saints 34, Falcons 24, kind of a comfortable win, although it you know, at midway through the third quarter, we still feel a little nervous, but uh, the Saints take control and, and kind of handle their business at the end. Um, I'm going to say MVP is Lattimore. Uh, I think he's oh, wow, starting to. I, I think he's another butt to, interception. I think he's starting to ascend, and I think he's starting to kind of play at the level that we saw him play last year. And uh, I'm going to say he picks off Matt Ryan twice. He, you know, Matt Ryan's going to go after him with Julio Jones, and I think he'll be covering him mostly. So I'll say Lattimore. Yeah, this game, I just that that number is just gigantic. And in in my column, um, I picked I didn't pick Atlanta to win because I'm I'm done with the trap game nonsense. Like you said, until the the Saints are just we're just gonna ride this out. Uh, and the Saints, if they throw a clunker in there, fine. But I just think that number of eleven and a half, man, the Saints could be up thirty five to ten comfortably. You know, and like you say, because. They have another game on Thursday because it's been a short week. Sean Payton kind of ease up. Atlanta could score. The Saints could go three and out. And then Matt Ryan could throw a touchdown with four seconds left. And 35-10 to 10 becomes 35-24. And, oh, look at that. They backdoored the 11-and-a-half. So it's like it's really easy to just backdoor that huge of a number. So I think that's what I'm going to call it. I'm going to call it 35-24, and Atlanta sneaks it in under the wire. I'm going to say MVP is going to be Kamara. And the thing is, for Kamara to really stand out, he's going to have to do something just unbelievable. I think he's going to do it, Andrew. I think he's going to have five touchdowns. You know? Love and it'll it. just be one of those, holy shit, the Saints are unbeatable. The interesting thing is, I don't know if you, I don't know how much of sports talk you listen to or podcasts or anything, but like, it was unanimous, like across all the ESPNs and different podcasts where I listen to, people are like, the Saints are the best team, and it's really not even close. And the interesting thing is, Bill Barnwell, a, a notorious Saints hater and that sort of thing, last week, when somebody asked him, Chiefs, Rams, Saints, who's the best? He was like, the Saints are the best because they have the best defensive personnel and their defense is starting to come around. And he laid it out that he really liked the Saints front seven and what they do pass rush and run defense wise. And I was like, wow, Bill Barnwell uh, not hating on the Saints. Uh, 2018 is getting really, really weird. Um so, final thing, Andrew, you, me, and Dave will be at the game. We're going to try to maybe get together, but um, on the scale of excitement for Saints regular season games that you've gone to, where does this rank? Uh, maybe the highest. Um, and I, I say that because right when the schedule came out, um, you know, as a lifelong Saints fan, it's, this just felt historic. They don't play a lot on Thanksgiving, and they don't host the Falcons when they do. And uh, you know, I looked at my wife, my wife, and uh, as soon as the schedule came out, I saw, I saw it, and I said, you know, that's that's the game we're going to. We're we're going home for Thanksgiving this year, and um, I'm pumped, man. So excitement yeah, I, I, level wise, I mean, and now you talk about the stakes, and you talk about the Saints being nine and one, and. Uh, you know what this game means for the NFC standings and the path to the Super Bowl, all that stuff. Um, it just ramps up the excitement level. I mean, this team, this this game, I'm I'm incredibly excited for it as well. I, I think I haven't been as excited. I didn't get to go to the Rams game, um, so I haven't been this excited about a Saints game. I mean, I was really excited last year for the Christmas, uh, what was it, the Christmas Eve game, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I actually flew in and flew back on the same day. I got up at 4, took the 6 a.m. flight, went to the game, and then came home um, on the same day, which was it was it was interesting, but it was kind of like bananas, and at the end you're tired. I have to say, I haven't been this excited about a Saints home game since probably 2009 
when they played the Patriots. Because in 2009, the Saints were undefeated. They hadn't won a Super Bowl, and they were this ascending team. And the, the Patriots were like the measuring stick. It was like, yeah, the Saints are awesome this year, but can they beat the gold standard of NFL teams? And they just throttled the Patriots. And I think of all the memorable games in 2009, that's the one that I think people talk about the most, right? So I haven't been ex- as excited for a Saints game since then. Oh, by the way, the Rams are up 40-37 to 37 with 11 minutes to go. Andrew, the NFL has officially turned into fucking arena football. <laughs> Yeah, um, no, man, I'm excited about this game. And yeah, no, the Gleason, you know, game obviously was um, was huge. Uh, just the you know first game back in the dome. That that's probably number one for me. But this this might be number two, uh, just in yeah. terms of the historic value. Um, I've got a couple quick shout outs. Um, the first one is uh, to our listeners. Very thankful for you guys, especially on Thanksgiving, and uh, hope you guys have a safe holiday and. Looking forward to this game on Thursday. I know you guys are too. Uh, we've got an Australian listener, Nick, who is in the U.S. for the first time. And I believe that he's coming to his first Saints game ever. He's a huge Saints fan. He hits me up every week on Twitter. Uh, so, Ralph, hopefully we'll get a chance to meet up with him before the game and have a beer with him or something. Yeah, and I wanted to thank everyone. We didn't, we didn't do a great job of it because we just don't have the technical savvy and the time. But... A Patreon, which is a site we use where the patrons patrons can can donate, they did a thing today. Thanks, patrons, and I did a tweet from the Saints Happy Hour account where we thanked everybody and we said, "Hey, we don't have technical savvy, but we love you guys." Thanks. We have almost 240 people that donate and pay and help us support this with their actual hard-earned money, and we're really grateful that you guys do it. And it's been a wonderful year, uh, and we're really thankful for it. And last, last sa- shout, I got one more shout out. Um, one more shout out. Yeah, I uh, hate the Spurs and the Pels beat them tonight, and Pels are rolling. So, yeah, the Pels shout dropped the 140 Pelicans. points upside of Popovich's head. I will tweet out my victory Pelican tweet that I do for every victory as soon as I get done with editing this podcast. Uh, until next week, the bar is closed. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody.